Festi fam, the time is now. Festival goers unite. Welcome to the Festi Files, where we highlight the creative and inspiring individuals who collectively come together and provide the festival experience. So if you're watching this at home and you're just someone who attends festivals, whether you're someone backstage at festivals, whether you're a vendor at festivals, dancing on the stage, or the person providing the beats like this funky brother right here, <laughs> we each play an integral piece and role in the festival community. My name is Desmond Beristain, CEO and founder of Festi, the festival smart band. And today, ah yeah, all the way from the UK, we have this instantly recognizable DJ, hence, you know, the one of a kind beard. Call him the James Harden of techno, but he, he, then he asked me, who is James Harden? We'll get into that in a second. <laughs> so he has some, some fire tracks. Uh, Booty percolating, techno, not techno, and, and multiple releases, uh, multiple remixes. He's also released tracks on prominent labels, and uh, he has a distinctive sound of rollicking bass, low slung funk, and infectious hooks. And they're all beautiful sounds that have caught the attention of artists such as Carl Cox, Adam Baer, Jamie Jones, Maya J. Coles, Patrick Toffin, Camel Fat, Fisher. He was nominated as the best newcomer in 2016 for the annual DJ Awards in Ibiza. He's also, or Ibiza, and he's also accumulated two Billboard Dance number ones for his remixes of U2 and Rihanna. He's currently gearing up for the debut of his own record label, All We Have Now, in 2020. And he also has his own podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, yeah, give it up for Will Clark. Will Clark, welcome to the Festi Files podcast, brother. What's up, man? That intro is long. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I know. I had to do it, though. I had to do it for all the people at home, you know. They're, they're all tuning in, staying at home, trying to, trying to stay positive. And um, that's literally why we kicked off this podcast, to shed that positivity, to, you know, comfort festival goers who are at home. I got the little setup behind me trying to keep the festival yeah, I saw that. alive, man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's get into it, man. How are you, brother? I'm really good, man. How are you? Doing all right, doing all right. Um, we just got the word that we're staying at home longer. So, you know, we're just trying to tap into our creative side right now. Um, I see yeah, you're we, in the studio, right? Yeah, we got, um, we got told pretty much in the UK that we're locked down until the end of, or till July. And then July, they might start opening restaurants and, and shops, but you never know. Never know. It might change. Yeah, dude. It's, uh, just got each day at a time. Yeah, it's it's wild times, man. But you know, one of the things is, uh, since we're at home, we can all kind of go through this self reflection period, and at the same time, you know, we want people to to just do a little research and spend time learning about yourself, learning about others, and and just uh, so like for example, we can get into your story. You know, I I literally remember going to multiple events seeing you uh shout out to billy kenny you and billy kenny killing it <laughs> i remember those days good times and um you know people just kind of want to know the origins what makes you know you're on stage what what got you there uh let's just jump right into it man Let, let's hear about your story the will clark story oh man um when do you want to know from i guess that's the question it's a long story um i started I learned how to properly DJ when I was like 
13, 12, 13, played my first show at 13. Um, and just kind of carried on playing locally, played, um, played some shows. I got one of my friends, I'm good friends with Sam Devine, um, who most of you will probably know. And if you don't go check her out, she got a residency in Ibiza. I think it was 2006. Um, and she asked me to come and play. I was 16 then. So I went out and played there. And then the year after I was living out there, I think I did like four years out in Ibiza, three, sum or three summers, three, four summers. Um, and then after the summers in Ibiza, I did pretty well in Ibiza. I was pretty lucky to like have the opportunities that I had. But then I just realized that I just had to write music to get anywhere successful in, in, in music, really. Um, so, yeah, I went back. I was probably... 19 i was i was learning to produce music from like the age of 16 but i didn't really take it seriously until i was like 18 19 and then i just literally locked myself away from like ages of like 20. I, i'm really bad at dates because i can't remember it it's so long ago um and then I had a record called Big Booty that came out on Anabatic, which is Worthy's label. Um, and that was the first record that did reasonably well for me. Like that was when like DJs started playing my music. Um, and that was when Jamie Jones, I think it was weird because like all of a sudden, like Jamie Jones eats everything, Seth Troxler, um, they MK, they were all playing my records and I was just like, this is weird. So then I was like, okay, so if Jamie Jones is playing my records, I need to write records for like Jamie Jones. And then I started writing music like that I thought he would like and failed miserably and just wanted, I quit music for like six months because I hated it so much because I was just like, trying to please other people and from then i kind of learned that like i needed to just uh write me like the reason why they were playing it was because it was a will clark record they weren't playing it because it was a jamie jones record or seth it was a seth record or eats was an eats record mk etc etc so then i just kind of realized i had to just write music that i wanted to do but for me to for I was kind of seeing a correlation with like every record or every person that was being successful, they were writing good records and they were also part of a crew. And I was trying to like see where I would fit the most as in crews. Um, and that's where Dirty Bird came in. Uh, so I kind of was like, okay, I need to sign to a crew and kind of just fully immerse myself in that. Um, so I signed a record in 2014 to Dirty Bird, came out 2015 on the 15 year anniversary. <laughs> and then kind of we're here now where I'm starting my own, or I've started my own label, had two releases um, on that and la kind of stepping back a little bit was when my sound was kind of evolving into like 
I wouldn't say more. Yeah, it's easy to say like techno, but it's, I wouldn't necessarily say that I write strictly techno. Um, I just, I don't really like kind of putting genres on it, but it's just different. It's more straighter, more European house music. Um, and it just kind of really wasn't I, like, if you hear me at a Dirty Bird party, I don't play like other Dirty Bird artists. Um, and I was kind of more and more like I was writing more and more music and I, it just wouldn't have, the music just wouldn't have ever fit on Dirty Bird. And that's no disrespect to Dirty Bird. I love the guys, but it just, I needed, I need to, I kind of need to go back to where I was and be like, okay, so where do I fit on the, like, mm-hmm. with my sound? Because this industry is about being part of labels that have a specific sound. Um, so I had, so I released a few records on True Soul which is Adam, one of Adam Bayer's label. And then Adam asked me to remix his record, Your Mind. So that got released on Drum Code. Had another EP on True Soul. Had, an EP, had a couple of records out on Dents and Peekers, Needed Pains. Then had an EP out on um, Alan Fitzpatrick's We Are The Brave. And then that, like, as I was doing that, I was doing that purposely so that I can kind of be more in the European sound of things um, rather than on the American kind of dirty bird bassy kind of side of music. Um, and during that year of me signing to True Soul, Drum Code, We Are The Brave Needed Pains, I was setting up with my team, my label, All We Have Is Now. Mm-hmm. Um, for the release in January this year, it's just come, just come by, and now here we are. We're in second release on that. Um, so yeah, that's a very kind of short story of how I've got here, but that is how I'm here today, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, thanks for sharing that. You mentioned so many important and key points. One of them was when you said you literally stopped producing or, or stopped, uh, put your career on, on hold for six, six months. Um, talk about that and how you mentioned it was kind of needed in order to get back to the authentic, organic uh, sound where you're creating for yourself. Because I'm sure there are a lot of artists and people at home right now, some of them going into 2020 who are very excited about the year. Um, yeah. And everyone's at home right now trying and there's a lot of beautiful sounds that are going to come from from this you know but just yeah. talk about that because that that's something that's tough but sometimes you have to do it well for me it was like i wasn't that happy with what i was writing and i was just like literally every time i'd go in the studio i was just i was just like getting down and i wouldn't say depressed but it was just fucking rough because like, it was at that level where I wanted to be full-time in music and I couldn't be, and I wasn't. And it was realistically, it was because I wasn't good enough. And I think that's the thing, but I, (laughs) it's weird. I, when I quit, I kind of, I didn't quit. Well, I did. No, I did. I quit, but I wanted to open a nightclub. So I was actually in, I was like, very close to opening a nightclub to the point where I had the keys and I had electricians 
going in and doing the work and we were planning the opening and everything like that of the nightclub. Um, but then there were some issues with the landlords of the, of the venue and the day we were going to go in and, or the, the, we started the day with electricians going in and then we had a meeting with the landlords and they wanted like to like triple the rent or double the rent. I can't even remember, but that kind of closed that project down and that made me have to go and might make music again. <laughs> so it was kind of the landlord's fault that I'm actually here because I don't know if I, I, I would have always been a dream of mine, but I, I don't know if I'd be here if it wasn't then, if it wasn't for that. Um, so yeah, it's probably a good thing that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the landlord was like, let me, let me just uh, make it so you have to go back to music. And yeah, then, pretty much. Yeah, and, but even like having that, deep, that little breather away, um, talk about how that maybe, and then going back into it, um, did that ramp up your work ethic? You, you mentioned that you said, oh, I, I wasn't good enough. Like, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Because, for example, yeah. people are probably at home right now. And I even took a stab at it, like mixing and doing that. And I realized if I'm not getting in my 10,000 hours, probably minimum. It's going to be a while before I'm just out there uh, traveling the world, doing this uh, full time. I think the thing is, is like, well, <clears throat> is a, it, you have to 99% of the of the DJs that are working full time uh, producing music. So the likelihood of just being booked on festivals, on clubs and stuff like that, just being a DJ and not producing music is, I could probably put a hand, I could, I probably can't even name a handful of DJs. Like that, that DJing is kind of before production, if that makes sense. Um, so f for me about not being good enough, it wasn't about mixing. It wasn't about being a DJ. I'd done plenty of times, plenty of years in Ibiza, like mixing at like 12 hour sets every single day. It, that wasn't ever the issue. The issue was, is just not being a good enough producer. Um, and also being impatient, which is a killer because nothing comes for you when you want it. It comes for you when you're not looking for it. Uh, that's how I found for me, and I can't speak for anybody else, but the more and more you want, I want things, the more and more it just doesn't happen until I get to the point where I'm like, fuck it, don't care anymore. Um, but for me, it was like, okay, I need to give this music shot a really good seeing too and i really need to crack on with it so i i think i'd split off, i split with my girlfriend and was like right i've got two years and i'm literally gonna lock myself in the studio for two years and i was i was working i think i was working full time then as well um so i would literally wake up go to work go to the gym and then go in the studio until from like seven till 
one, two in the morning and then do the same again and again and again. And I kind of, I didn't really see my mates. I didn't, I didn't have a relationship for a good year and a half. Um, and I just literally like produced. And if I couldn't release, a, if I couldn't write a record, I would write a load of ideas and just, just every day I would just write something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then towards the end of that, I think I'd sign, I signed, I signed that record to Dirty Bird, but then I wrote Booty Percolating mm-hmm. and that kind of pushed things on a little f- harder for me. But to be fair, like I, I'm, I still write nearly every single day mm-hmm. and I kind of, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'll ever be a hundred percent happy. I don't think anyone will ever be a hundred percent happy, but I think in the last year, since I, I have my, have uh, my new manager, Ryan, who we've been working together just over a year now, mm-hmm. since we've been working together, maybe a bit before when I fired my old managers. So from like December, 2018 to now, I feel like I've really like, finally gotten a sound that I'm really happy with um and I know that I can generally on most weeks I can go into the studio and write something that I'm gonna be really happy with um don't get me wrong you still get those shit weeks but (laughs) majority of the time you just kind of push through and push through and then you get something um, but I think the thing that I learned the most, you just like, I, and I see it a lot. I get asked a lot and I have no issues with it because I have a, a lot of people hit me up and be like, oh, how, how can I be, become, do, do or do what you do, if you know what I mean? And, and then you kind of, it's just practice. Uh, it's like, I, I'm, I'm at, I'm like trying to go into different things as well as music at this moment in time. So I'm like really working on like fashion stuff as well. And I'm just like, I'm literally at the bottom. I know a little bit, if you know what I mean. But for me to get to where I want to be, I have to put in the hours and just keep practicing and keep going and keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. And I know that that's going to take me probably five years. Yeah. But and then, but what I have to do in my head is like, do I want to, do I, do I love it that much that even in five years, if I haven't made it to where I want to be, will I keep pushing? Exactly. And if the answer is yes, then I'm going to go for it. And even if I say in 10 years, I'm not where I want to be, but w- will I still keep pushing? And the answer is yes. Um, and it's the same with music. It's like, I'm nowhere near where I want to be in music. People, I know people will kind of chop off their arm to be in a position where I'm at, but I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, for me, it's just that drive to just want to achieve more. And it's, I, it's weird because when you achieve more, it doesn't feel like you achieve anything or I, it doesn't feel like I achieve anything. It's like one of our goals for the for the record label 
we want every like single release that we put out to hit a million streams within a couple of months and with the first release we did that and on the second release we're coming a lot quicker with that but once we hit there i'm like is that it is that is that all it like there's no feeling if you know what i mean it's like yeah great we did it but now what's next um so yeah that's kind of the constant battle that i have with my and i think a lot of people have when they're trying to be to better themselves i don't think there's ever any there's no one at the top there's no there's no one that's like i don't think there's ever a time when you're like yeah i've made it don't know because i'm nowhere near where i want to be so who knows yeah well thanks for sharing that man you've you've put out some, some beautiful tracks um and it's very interesting that you bring that up you bring up drive you said drive so Let's quickly talk about that, like, because pressure and drive tend to get misconstrued, right? And someone, sometimes you'll feel like, man, did I put all this pressure on myself? But then that might actually just be your drive and not so much pressure, right? So maybe talk about those two. Um, I think they go hand in hand, personally, but I think... I don't know. It's, it's a tough question because I, I guess, yes, I'm always driven to do more, but sometimes taking time out is the best thing to feed the drive. But in the back of my head, if I'm not writing, I feel lazy. Mm. Um, and if I haven't achieved something in the studio, then I feel lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess it's just a battle that I have with myself. Um, and I know a lot of people don't have that as well. I I know a lot of people that are happy to take a week out, take a month out of the studio. Uh, but I fucking enjoy it. I enjoy being in here and it's kind of sad because (laughs) like, I don't, I do obviously have a life outside of the studio. Mm. But realistically, 80% of my life is in the studio or touring. Um, And also it's like, okay, Monday to Thursday, let's say I'm in the studio Monday to Thursday, like everyone else is at work. So what the fuck am I going to (laughs) do? It's not like I can go hang out with loads of people and... I'm not one to just sit in front of the TV. Uh, I'm very like routined and I guess my mindset is get in the studio and see what you can write. Yeah. And um, it's interesting you, you say that because I really feel like most successful artists or, and it's funny to even use that word because you just mentioned it, like the milestone, you, you achieve a milestone, you smile about it, you know, you're like, cool, but then you're like, all right, but what's next? So that's what keeps uh, a lot of these artists in, in the studio. You know, I have friends that are artists right now, and I, and I know that if I pick up the phone and call them right now, they're in the studio. And just knowing that, you know, and being part of, of, of the community, that probably keeps you in the studio more so, right? Where you're like, man, well, if I'm not 
working harder maybe on the next person, um, you know, I, I can't expect. Yeah, see, I, I, I used to look at what other people have achieved and question why they've achieved that and why they're getting that and why can't I do that and why can't I write this music? It, but I think that's, that's where you're, or for me, like, that's where my mindset would just go down and down and down. And that just becomes, you're comparing yourself to people in the famous quote, comparison is the thief of joy. And I would lie if I said that I don't compare myself at all on occasions. However, most of the time I don't ever compare myself and I don't necessarily want somebody else's career and I don't necessarily want somebody else's records, but I do want to better myself as Will Clark, the artist and Will Clark, the human being. And is that just a result of, you know, your personal growth, right? Because maybe in the beginning when you mentioned, Oh, I was making music and I wanted to satisfy maybe another artist or genre. And then now you're at the point where you're like, no, I don't need to compare myself because at the end of the day, if I know that I'm putting in the work, then um, maybe not when I want it, but when it's supposed to happen, things will line up. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's a mixture of lots of things. Um, I think to start with, I wanted to please other artists. Um, and I thought that would make me happy. And then I wanted to please management. And I thought that would make me happy. And then I realized that like, this is like talking about old managements that I've had in the past. It's like, they aren't necessarily the best artists. Um, and they don't necessarily know me as a person or have that relationship with me. They just have their own goals and their own needs and their own financial gains. And I think what's happened is in the last 18 months, I've really just worked out exactly what I want and exactly who I am as a person and who I am as an artist. And I just want to have control over everything I do mm -hmm. um, and I think I think since really like it was like 2018 was literally I was it was my busiest year but I was the least happy I've ever been like I toured the most I earned the most money well I grossed the most money mm -hmm. I bought a house, I bought a car, I moved, like I moved full-time in America, or well, I was kind of full-time before, but I like bought a house in America. Like I was touring, I think I did like 112 shows that year, but I wasn't happy. And it, I kind of, for me, I was, it was weird. Cause I was just like, constantly battling like why the fuck am i not happy mm -hmm. like and, and i couldn't work out myself and like i'm lucky that i'm i'm pretty self-aware that's generally just due to my parents because my parents are therapists so i've had like oh. constant therapy my whole life but yeah. it's like i'm pretty self-aware but i just 
I wasn't giving myself the space to work out why I wasn't happy and why I wasn't progressing to where I wanted to be. And I can't blame anyone because it was me. And it was just the fact that I didn't, I I wasn't sticking to who I was as a person and who I wanted to be as an artist. I was kind of always moving the goal the goals because my managers wanted me to do this and my managers wanted me to do that. And rather than me growing the balls and saying, no, this isn't right. I shouldn't be doing this. This is where I want to be. And this, what we're doing is going to take me here rather than here closer. Um, So yeah, it was, I think what happened is when I left that management company, and that was the the start of me being like, okay, I have to like now, I have no ties mm-hmm. at all with anyone. And now it's just up to me. And I can't blame anyone. I can't say, yeah, I just can't blame anyone. It's all me. Yeah, and that was, yeah. that was also the reason why I wanted to start a label was because there's certain labels that work really hard for your records and there's certain labels that don't work really hard for your, for your records. And I wanted to be in a point where I know I'm going to work really hard for my records and I know I'm going to work really hard for other people's records if I fully believe in them when I sign them. And that's all I can do. But if the record fails, if the record doesn't do well, the only person I can blame is me. Um, and I, it's just very nice to be able to hold all responsibility. That's super interesting because, you know, that you're assuming that role, that you want the, re- the additional responsibility as opposed to saying, well, uh, if it doesn't do well, then I'm, I can point the finger at this person or, or this person or management. Um, that, 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 yeah, man, that definitely tip my hat off to you because – you know, there is that balance between taking it personal and understanding it's business. Um, and then you just mentioned therapy as well. So talk about that, how when things would happen, you were just like, no, like, of course, it maybe is upsetting, of course. Um, but then you just kind of assume that role. And you're like, well, you know, it's part of the business because it, uh, the, the truth of this business, right? And the, and the music industry is there's, there's a lot of no's and, and you have to have a pretty thick skin um, be able to navigate, you know, but standing up for yourself and then saying, I'd rather have my own label. That is like a huge, uh, you know, that's a huge stand. Yeah. I, I think it's just, a, I think it's just a part of the artist career where also like on Dirty Bird, I'm never going to be as big as Claude Von Stroke on drum code i'm never going to be as big as adam bayer i'm on needed pains i'm never going to be as big as denson pika uh on we are the brave i'm never going to be as big as alan fitzpatrick and as much as i love all of those guys and they're all my friends but i want to be fucking bigger than them and i'm not going to do that on their labels Mm-hmm. I might have a record that's bigger than any of theirs, but the minute it's a label branded night, I'm I'm not I'm not as big as them. Mm. 
and that's and for for some people that's they're absolutely fine with that and they're happy with that um which is i respect that i don't i don't give a fuck what anyone else wants i just as long as they're happy and i know that for me to be happy i want to be the biggest artist i possibly can yeah. and that being being the biggest biggest artist possible isn't about finance financial gain that's just that's the side of it for me that's something that just comes with it um for me it's just being able to have as many people listen to my music from now and years on and from years when i've gone um that that's kind of what for me is that i've always wanted is just more people to listen to my music than no. Got it, man. So it's interesting because you, you mentioned that year, you know, circa 2018, you had grossed the most, you had bought a house, you had bought a car, all these accumulation of, of physical, tangible uh, items that are usually equated to happiness and success, right? But inside, you, you just felt a certain something was off right and you're like you know maybe talk about that because obviously we live in the era where everyone's like i want this and this and this and also the impatience um but you're you're literally someone who has gone through that path um hit those milestones and then realized no there's something more important yeah i think i think we all know deep down inside materialistic items don't make you happy and I think that's the thing that I just noticed, <laughs> really. And I realized it pretty quick. And it's not like I was like balling. It's it's not like I, I'm not at the point where I'm earning shit loads of money, but like I have a nice life, if that makes sense. However, yeah. Yeah. I'm buying shit does not make you happy. I can I can tell you last week. I spent 30 pound and I've been the happiest I've been in a very fucking long time. <laughs> and for me, it was just like, it's just that realization is like, you. Th so society tell like, not all society, but a lot of society tells you like, you buy a house, you buy a car, you get married, you have kids, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, why? Why do, you, why do you have to do that? Is, does that make you happy? And I think that's the thing is like, and some people buying a car makes them really fucking happy and they can wake up every day and they can go and enjoy that car and they love it and it makes them happy, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Some people will go and buy some $5,000 pair of shoes and it actually makes them happy. Mm -hmm. They actually love it. And if that's your thing, then go for it. But for me, like being happy is, is doing what I absolutely love. And there's no, there's no one, not no one. I'm not kind of, I'm not, can't really think of the word, but there's, there's, I'm not compromising with what I'm doing as a, as an artist. And as my career, of course, there's compromise in life and compromise is healthy. 
but when it comes to artistry and my career there's no compromise respect respect you know he just said it you don't even have to be balling to find that just just to be happy um, no one's fucking happy that's that wealthy no one yeah. no one like i know a lot of extremely wealthy people in music and outside of music and they have just the same issues as that you and i have um money makes life easier but also like why the fuck are you going to the club and spending two thousand dollars on a bottle like wh what are you doing that for instagram likes are you doing that for so all your friends think you're happy but deep down inside you're not like come on get real with yourself yeah. it's, it's not what life's about go and enjoy if go and go and have fun with your friends go and do all of that but you have to realize is that happiness you can't buy happiness if you know what i mean no one can and I, and I think people, when they start to earn more and more money, I think people realize that. Yeah. Hey, I mean, you realize that, that people were spending ridiculous amounts of cash at, at clubs. So you almost started a nightclub because you're like, man, if these people want to <laughs> 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 go wild out here. But, um, dude, you know, you are balling, though. You know, you're, you're the James Harden of, of – uh, you know, of house, of techno, of, of, the, of the funk. So last time I asked you who James Harden is, you're like, who? So I got to ask you on the record, do you know who James Harden is? I didn't until I Googled it when you said. <laughs> um, but again, like I'm English. So I've only been to like a Pistons game because I live in New York. I live in Detroit. And I've been to a Knicks game because I used to live in New York. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't name any single player. <laughs> well and there like, you go man he yeah. he has the beard you know and uh he's uh, are you left-handed because james harden's lefty no, i'm right, <laughs> right. Um, there, used to be, there used to be a baseball player called Will oh yeah Clark. the pitcher yeah yeah he was a pitcher i forgot his name but um will, yeah will clark. oh oh yeah 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 i think it was will clark the pitcher <laughs> let me google it will clark baseball is that who he was? That's what's the story behind the beard, man? How how long? How long? How long? I had it for like six and a half years, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. I was going to do it. Uh, my parents, they own a, a charity, like a mental health charity. Um, and I was going to do it to raise money for that. And I grew it for a The deal was I was going to grow it for a year and then cut it all off. Mm -hmm. And I grew it. Um, and then that was during the time when I started to become like a little bit more like known in my, in music. Mm -hmm. And I had all the press shots done and I had a beard in the press shots and I was like, I can't shave it off. Like I, I this is me now. Everyone knows me for me. I do generally think having a beard has helped my career, yeah. which is weird to say. It's fucking crazy to say, but it makes people recognize you to a certain extent. Yeah. 
you said it's brand building. You you just meant like brand building is you've seen it. It's huge in, in the music industry, in the festival community. And um, even yourself, you said you've been dabbling with, with fashion, right? That, I feel like that also goes into to brand. Maybe you could speak about that and how, um, you know, you drew interest to that. And you also at the same time are just willing to learn, right? You just said it might take five years, but oh, well, I'm going to learn it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, like fashion is... I've all like I've always been into fashion probably since I was 12 13 always been into it and always like I used to when I was younger I used to like save up and like buy nicer clothes and was kind of more into like the the purchasing and wearing and then I started like a clothing brand myself um which I like designed everything and got it all made in China and kind of did all of that. And it, I closed it down cause it just wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I want to just go more into like super high end fashion. Um, it's something that I just find so appealing. Um, and to like, it's more so the work that goes into the items, like the quality of the clothes. It's like the difference between a $30 t-shirt and a $150 t-shirt. I know it sounds crazy, but the workmanship on that $150 t-shirt compared to the $30 t-shirt is just on another level or like a jacket, like, you could a $50 jacket or a thousand dollar jacket, just the like process of, of that. It's kind of like, it's kind of mechanical, right? It's kind of like clock, like how amazing like a clock is or watches. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, I kind of have the same passion about clothes where it's, I want to create, something where somebody will or like pick it up and automatically wear it and be like oh fuck this feels unreal like this is not what i would usually get down like on a high street store um and i i i, I think for me i hate i don't hate it's a strong word but I'm, I'm not usually into the like using the word brand but i don't know what else you can you can kind of design talk like, I, I don't know how you can explain it but it's, i want to build a community around super high-end fashion for me and i i really don't think it's going to cross worlds i like i don't like i know like my my fans are generally like 18 to 27 year olds if you know what i mean and i i don't think that that demograph mm -hmm. is in super high-end fashion if you know what i mean i think a lot of people a lot of people want a logo t-shirt and to buy it at a festival mm -hmm. and crack on and, and love it if you know what i mean and show their friends about it and so i think for me it's about actually starting something completely new mm -hmm. and yes of course I'm not going to hide that I'm doing it, 
However, I'm not trying to get my fans to buy. Mm-hmm. I'm just mm-hmm. literally being like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. If you know what I mean. And I want to build a Will Clark in the fashion industry outside of music. Yeah. They they both go hand in hand, of course. Um but I don't want to be pushing I don't want to use Will Clark as a DJ, as an artist, mm-hmm. to to make my fashion successful. I yeah. want to make the fashion side of things so fucking good that it that it's going to be successful. It's awesome. It, it, you seem like you're a man that, like, you you appreciate the pro- processes and then accepting those challenges, right? So you you've already kind of set the parameters. Like Will Clark is. Uh, the DJ producer isn't the head-on ambassador, you know, of the brand or the cross collaborations. You want to create something that, on its own, really just stands. And you know, you're 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 okay with um, assuming that once again, assuming that role, assuming that responsibility. And uh, for all people at home right now, that's something that we should all explore, right? Our creative side, um, any ideas we have. And then just go out there and try it. Even if it's completely different uh, field, you know, you can always find ways to find little intricacies and 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 mix uh, between two different sectors. But yeah, you, you got to try things. Right? Talk talk about that. Talk about you know. You just mentioned your your, your parents are are into mental health. They're therapists, and right now therapy is it's funny because I, you know I see a therapist. Um, I know people that see therapists and it's kind of like taboo, but the truth of the matter is like mental health is, is a real thing and it doesn't matter. You just said it, you have millions of, of dollars, millions of pounds, or, or if you spent 30 pounds last week, like we all have to deal with mental health and maybe you could shed some light on that because people are at home right now. And honestly, people are, are depressed because they can't go to festivals um, artists, some artists may be depressed because they, they can't travel the world and, and, and play at, you know, a hundred festivals. Um, speak yeah. on that because regardless self-care and at the end of the day, when you're spending, like you spend a lot of time in your studio, you're with yourself. So you need that, that relationship with yourself to be healthy. I think the way to look at therapy is like some people go to the gym. Like, what do you go to the gym for? Do you go to the gym? You go to the gym to get your, well, I go to the gym to keep fit and healthy physically so that I know I can go run half a marathon and not die, if you know what I mean. Or I can lift this amount of weights or I can do this and or whatever you go to the gym for, whether it's to look good naked, whatever it is, if you know what I mean, it's, that's what you go to the gym for. And I think therapy is the same way, but for your brain. It's to make your brain healthy. <laughs> and I think the brain is the one thing that <clears throat> we all have and we all need. And sometimes we need our brain more than we need physical brain health more than we need we need brain health more than we need physical health because the power of the brain, the mind over matter kind of saying is so much more powerful than 
your body if if you have that strong brain if you have that strong will even if you can't lift that weight you're probably going to lift that weight um but you have to have that it's like that positive positive mental attitude it's like if every day you wake up and like tell yourself or compare yourself to somebody else or tell yourself you're not good enough you're never going to be good enough one of my really good friends, she's in the process of like learning to produce at the moment. And like I have a conversation with her every day. She's and she's putting the hours in. She's going in the studio every single day. She's like, I can't write anything. Like everything I sound sounds shit. Why can't I write this? Why can't I do this? And it's just like, it will come. You just have to keep practicing. But mm-hmm. that mental will to keep going in there is what everyone needs and i think it's the same with depression like people have people are depressed people are people are depressed if you know what i mean mm-hmm. and there's depression and there's actual depression and i think everyone has some sort of depression at some point in their lives but it's whether or not you can kind of come out of it and some people can some people can't and that's when you kind of need help i think for me is like it's being able to know when you need help and being able to accept help Mm. and being able to get to the point where you know you need help and you've got to get off your ass and go and get help because nobody sometimes majority of the time no one's gonna help you because it's it's kind of weird like it's like that situation when we all have that girlfriend or boyfriend that all of our friends can't stand and don't have a clue why you're with them and they tell you every time but you have to work it out yourself you have to learn the hard way you have to go through the shit year of being with that person to then be like i'm so done i can't deal with this anymore and then you finally finish it with them all your mates are like fucking told you so and, you, and then you're like, oh, I should have done this ages ago. Mm-hmm. And I find it's the same with, with mental health. It's like, it, it will take time. Everything takes time. And if you're really depressed, sometimes you're battling with it for the rest of your life. But I think it's also acceptance that, you, that you're going to battle for it and you're going to actually go through it and you're going to put up a fight with it. And you're going to get out and you're going to work on yourself. And yeah, some days you're going to wake up and you feel shit, if you know what I mean. But if you can know that you're putting the work in to make you a healthier person mentally and physically, then you know the next day might be better or the next week might be better. Yes. So, so let's, let's talk about that real quick. If you do wake up and you're like, it's not my day or you know obviously you're, you're kind of setting precedent for the day because you're already kind of putting that energy out there i have a quote uh be the energy you wish to receive you know but but we've all gone through it we've all had gone through amazing days and then a day where you just like just things are off what would you say or what would you do to kind of just make it through that day and, and try to find some positivity throughout that day i think it just depends it's really tough some days it's just a write-off just tap out 
but it still doesn't mean that day is going to be good if you accept that it's going to be a shit day. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't the fact like for me, if I have a shit day, I'm really fucking annoyed. Um, I always go to the gym every morning. I go and train. I do some sort of exercise. Um, so I still do that. And even if it's a shit workout, I still make sure I do it. Um, for me, the, the biggest thing for me that kind of triggers it for it to be a bad day is I get in the studio and I get caught up doing loads of admin shit. Mm-hmm. And then I finish the admin shit and then I get to write and my brain is just like, oh shit, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Which happens on a regular occasion. And I guess then it's up to me to whether I let that get to me and I take that feeling for the rest of the day and just feel sorry for myself or feel in a piss or feel moody or feel frustrated or I do something about it. If I do something about it, I might just not do, just completely leave the studio for a day. Mm-hmm. and come back to it the next day or i might go on youtube and just watch a load of fashion things yeah or watch a load of food things if you know what i mean and then go okay i can't be creative by writing music but let's write some ideas down or let's let's just go and research a load of fashion stuff or let's go and research what I'm going to cook for dinner tonight. And I'm going to make something so fucking good in at dinner tonight that I can be like, I bossed it. Um, that's kind of what I do. And then some days I'm just like fucking awful to be around and no, whatever anyone says is never going to make anything better for me. It's just, I've just got to fucking go to get on with my day and go to bed and crack on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the people around you, do they like just, you know, because I feel like your, your inner circle, they they know your energy. So if they're like, oh, what's happened? You know, one of those days that they, they don't maybe take it as personal. They're like, hey, we got to just give them his space, let them get through it. And then, boom, the next day starts. And hopefully it's, it's different, right? Yeah, totally. I don't, I don't really have many people really like that see me on a day-to-day basis. Um like at this moment in time, I'm back in the UK. So my parents live next door. So obviously they see it, but they've been used to it for the whole of their life, the whole of my life. Um, But like, I don't have a girlfriend or anything like that. So I guess she doesn't see it. And all my close mates, they don't really see me around the studio. And if I do go, if I am in the studio and having one of those days, and then I do go and hang out with my mates, I don't take that to them Mm -hmm. there's there's i kind of realistically it's just taking myself out of the out of the situation out of the room that is causing that Mm. um Mm. or that i'm allowing to cause it if you know i mean because it's all me there's no my fucking studio is not making me feel like that it's me making myself feel like that yeah yeah um so yeah that's that's how it is. But I, I think, I think also it's just about having a balance in life, which I still haven't fucking worked out because I like, yeah, I, I, 
I kind of try to have a balance on how much work I do. Um, I put a folder together for my manager of like all of my unreleased records from this year and last year that I would release potentially. Mm-hmm. And there's like 57 records in there. Wow. And I'm like, well, that is enough to like qu- warrant that you can have a day off or a week off. But then I have that day off and I feel awful. So I'm just like, I have to get fucking back in it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that is. And I hope maybe one day that I can do that and I can give myself some time off and, and feel good about having that time off. Exactly. Um, but I'm not there yet. And you just mentioned, well, you just mentioned it, that constant ebb and flow, constantly checking in with yourself, constantly just assessing, making sure that, you know, you are fi- trying to find balance and, you know, hey, we all get caught up in, in that where we really want something to happen. So our passion kind of pours out of us. But yeah. you know what? if someone's listening to this, they, they're probably inspired by you sharing your story. And you yeah. also have a podcast. So let's let's show some love to uh, let's talk about your podcast real quick. Uh, you couple more questions but what's this podcast you got going on the will clark podcast yeah so i started it so i used to have a podcast called the barbershop um which was just like a mix show i did that for four years um which was it was doing really well um but i just didn't really enjoy doing it i got to the point where i was just like this isn't this isn't what i want to do i don't like doing mixes it just annoys me i'd rather mix in a club and that's it but so i stopped that in november last year and from that always wanted to do a conversational podcast mm-hmm. um and i was just like literally for like four or five months i was like what the fuck am i gonna call it because i didn't want to have it like i didn't want it to be a cliche podcast where it's like this 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 mm-hmm. like every podcast is the same i wanted it just to be me sitting down with mates and people that i feel, find like really interesting and that kind of just it took me ages and then i was like i recorded the first episode and i was like i'm just going to call it the will clark podcast it's just easy yeah <laughs> so yeah. yeah um so yeah i started that it comes out every tuesday um and it's just me sat down with a friend or a fellow creative person, whether that's music, food, business, anything really, um, athlete kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and you can find that on iTunes and Spotify. Awesome, man. Awesome. And then how can we find you um, in other ways? So Instagram, what's your Instagram? Maybe website. And then what do we search on uh, Spotify and, and Apple Music as well? Instagram is at DJ Will Clark. Um, Spotify is just Will Clark, Clark with an E. Um, website, djwillclark.com. Um, but if you go to Instagram, everything's there. Um, or Twitter is at DJ Will Clark as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for stopping by. I mean, honestly, it's really cool because we, we got pretty deep today. And, and I think that's one thing about the Festi podcast and the Festi files that 
when I started this, I was like, let's just have fun and talk and, and be positive. But then part of that is talking about the things that we don't normally talk about, you know, the things in the community or the things that we each go through um, on a daily basis that aren't being brought to light. So thanks, Will, for shedding light on that night. And uh, you I, know, think, I, think, I think it's just about being real, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't mean that in a cliche way. It's like, of course you can have fun. And this has been a, I fucking really enjoyed this podcast. If you know what I mean, it's been, it's been a good conversation. It's, I know it's mostly been me talking, but I think <laughs> it's like, I, I don't think people want to hear the fluffy shit all the time. I think people want to know that you're also human and want to relate to you in, in the human side of things. And I think by having longer form conversations, that's how you get there. Like you and I in public would probably have never had a conversation this long, if you don't know I mean. Exactly. Like, and when was the last time you had this com- a, a conversation like this to your, with your mates? Mm-hmm. Like it's very rare. Like we generally just have like very different conversations. Yeah. Um, I think I think these types of things are important, man. For sure, and it's like you said, especially you know, for the community right now, like we all love festival community, music culture. Um, what do you see happening in the future? This will probably be our last question. Maybe shed some light or positivity on, on the future so that we can all feel good. Like, because it might be three months, six months, a year, but eventually we will be back at events, right? Having a good time. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I really don't know what is going to be, plan for the future um i'm working on a few projects at this moment in time which will allow artists to earn income from doing live streams and things like that 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 we're i'm kind of working on something at this moment in time i think a lot of it is about building communities now um and i think a lot of artists have realized that and I'm, I'm only talking from the artist side of view. Um, a lot of artists and venues and promoters are like, we only can rely, we only rely on shows. So how can we make an income if the shows aren't there? Because don't get me wrong, I'm 100% for, like I 100% can say that there will be clubs open and there will be festivals open again, 100%. That might be naive of me to say that, but I'm pretty 99% sure that that's going to happen. Um, but for it, the music industry, is called the music industry because it's a business. And if you, as an artist, only have one stream of income or of like reasonable income that you can actually earn a living from, unless you're writing pop records, like if you're in like underground dance music, you're not really earning mon- any money at all from st- from streams and music sales and things like that. So I think it's going to be like a big change on how the artist and the fan relationship is kind of going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some really cool things that I've seen that's kind of coming up where like artists can do like a ticketed live stream show mm-hmm. where you could like, you could buy, obviously it's going to be cheaper than a club ticket, but 
you can pay, let's say $10 and I will do like a live show for you. Yeah. And you, there's only like a hundred tickets that go. And that will be like, no one will be able to see that again. And I think it, the exclusivity of that, I think will add value between the artist and the fan because anyone can do a live stream. And I don't know if you've listened to any live streams or anything like that. I haven't done anyone on any, and I, I won't, but I think it's a turning music into a throwaway culture even more. Hmm. And that's just my personal opinion. I know that I know people love them and I know people think they're great, but I know a lot of people will be like, Oh, this person's on Instagram live. Let's just go on this. And they go on it for 10 minutes, then turn it off. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I know on YouTube, like a lot of people will go on live YouTube and watch YouTube stream and be on there for like half an hour. It's like, you don't go in a club and pay $40 to go in a club and then leave after 10 minutes. Of course you don't. So I think it, for me, it's just about creating something that you're giving an experience that has value. Mm -hmm. um, because let's be honest, everyone has to eat, everyone has to earn, earn money. And I know there's also a, an awful lot of people that don't have jobs yeah. with, with um, like obviously all the clubs and restaurants closing down. And I think this is a real time, like it's, I, it's very different in the UK because yes, of course, people earn money through jobs through through the the service industry but it's it can be a career in america mm -hmm. like you, we don't earn that much money if you're if you work in a restaurant or if you work behind a bar it's not great income at all um but i think it's going to change a lot of people's views on what they want to do in life yeah and yeah. and really work out exactly what they want to do in life um I've kind of just babbled on, but no, you, you, meant, you mentioned it like literally it, it, I understand that where as an artist, as a fan of, of, of the culture, you look at it and you're like, man, it's not supposed to be that way though, where you could just, I'm going to spend 10 minutes here. Let me jump over here. It's almost like it, it, the oversaturation of being able to just jump from one thing to one thing. Um, so hopefully you know, we can come up with creative ways uh, and innovative ways that are more immersive. So yeah, you do have to spend 60 minutes of time and, and then you'll get the most out of it, right? Both ends get the most out of it at that point. Well, I, I also think it's like, I think it turns down, I think it's like Kevin Kelly, A Thousand True Fans. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's like, if you have a thousand fans that truly love what you do and they will buy everything that you do and they will support everything that you do you as that artist is going to they're going to you're going to care about that those those a thousand fans so much more than anyone else mm -hmm. i don't mean that in a horrible way it's not because you're just using them to earn money from them it's you're building relationships yeah. and I'm, I'm going to do a post this, this week 
um, I think it's going to be this week, um, about my record label is that like I'm looking for creatives, I'm looking for artists, but I don't just want you to send me a SoundCloud link. I want to actually like get to know you as a person. I want to be able to mentor people and I want to build relationships with people. And I don't just want music artists. I want people that like have that are like artists or that are amazing painters or I don't know, like any creatives and really build a community from that. Um, Because I think realistically music which is kind of sad. Music is a throwaway art now. Mm-hmm. You, you can't go into a gallery in New York, pick up a painting off the wall and just walk out with it. Mm-hmm. Or you pay $10 a month and you can go into any gallery in the world and just take the painting off the wall and put it on your wall for as long as you want. And then when you don't want it, you go and swap it. Just how all the streaming services are. Like how how many times are you in the car with somebody where they listen to thirty seconds of a fucking song and then switch it, mm-hmm. or an artist has got an album and they and somebody's listened to the album and they listen to three songs of it and then turn it off onto it and move on to something else. Mm-hmm. And I, I, this is not me moaning about people doing that because. It is what it is, but for me, it's about adding value, giving value to your fans and to the people that really like what you do and making it special for them. Yeah. Yeah. And you you just talked about your your label and how you're trying to make it a different form of, of a community where it's not just um we'll we'll talk about that where what stands out to you like when you see maybe from another artist or what do you see and you're like wow that that's pretty inspiring or what you know what type of creators would you like to bring in or is it the creator that puts in the hours is that something that you don't even want to have to question uh, work ethic you know um yeah, talk about that. What do you see and what stands out to you? I think you can just tell when somebody wants it. Like I'm talking, like I've, I've become uh, kind of friends with a guy called Tommy Farrow, who's like a brand new artist. I don't think he's had any releases yet. He's got a couple of releases coming up on some other labels and he sent me his records and I listened to it and I was like, damn, this is really fucking good. Like you're, I can hear his influences, but he's not trying to be anyone else. And I think that's the thing that I look for is somebody that's actually trying to be an artist, Mm -hmm. not trying to copy. And don't get me wrong. We all have to copy at some point. Mm -hmm. We, and we all take influences at some point, but for me, it's like, if I can see that you're original and authentic, I don't want you to sound like me because you're never going to sound like me. I want you to sound like Desmond, if you know what I mean. I want you to sound like you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of owe it to ourselves, right? Like be your authentic self. (laughs) That's it. That's the best 
version of yourself that you can offer is the best version of yeah. yourself. So, man, this has been great. Thank you so much, uh, everyone. You can find him at DJ Will Clark, Festivals Podcast. Super appreciate it. Um, good time. Definitely have to do this again in the future. All righty? Well, keep it up, man. Keep safe, and I'll catch you soon, all right? Thank you, everyone. Peace, love, unity, and respect. Files. Will Clark, signing out.